Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie... Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing... He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with, like, an angel band. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant and so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season, also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say the Powerade is delicious, mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. So wrong, so wrong. And what's really wrong is most of y'all know all the words now. 
I can hear y'all quoting it while we're, you bunch of rednecks. <laughs> well, I understand. I understand. It's That scene cracks me up. But uh, anyway, some powerful lessons. During, it seems like to me during the Christmas season, what happens is we become very focused and very fixated on that eight-pound, six-ounce bundle of baby God. And we talked about that in the beginning. We talked about the baby infant Jesus, that he does, in fact, teach us some powerful lessons. He, you know, he teaches us that salvation is often hard to discern and sometimes even harder to accept. A lot of times God is trying to bring salvation to you in manners that you don't recognize, and it's hard to accept that. Sometimes God is trying to get in things that you're trying to get out of. And so we've got to learn to accept how he brings deliverance, accept how he brings salvation. The infant Jesus taught us that the that ugly is the new beautiful. I know that, that the porcelain nativity scene that you have on your TV set at home is beautiful and pristine, but that's not what the nativity was like it was he was born in a barn brooklyn told me that the next day we i said to you if anybody asks you if you were born in the barn you say no but i know somebody that was the next day at school a teacher asked her if she was born in a barn she said no but i know somebody that was right but it teaches us that god has this ability to enter ugly things and turn them around for beautiful some of you are in some ugly situations right now and i just want to remind you that god has this ability to intervene on your behalf he he taught us that uh detours can be divine angels uh, come out and and mess up the plans of shepherds and wise men and they go a different path some of you your life is not how you would have orchestrated it now it's not how you scripted it out but i just want to remind you that jesus teaches us as a baby that detours are divine and then last week we talked about the teenage jesus it's harder to see god in the teenage jesus right i mean it's easier to see god as a baby than a teenager teenagers mess with our minds and you remember the lessons we learned we learned that god will drive you crazy uh, the perfect Jesus to teach you that is the teenage Jesus, right? He will drive you crazy. He won't do things like you think he want, would. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And therefore, when God begins to move in your life, you won't always be able to figure him out. Anybody experience that? I can't always figure out what God is doing, right? He, he The teenage Jesus taught us that if we're not careful, we can walk a particular road and lose our way. We, if we're not careful, our lives can become so routine and so formulated that we can actually walk away from Jesus and not even recognize that we've done so. That's what his parents did. They walked, they left, they lost God. They walked away from Jesus, didn't even know it. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. Yeah. And then Jesus, as a teenager, reminds us that uh, you can find Jesus at church, but you're not supposed to leave Jesus at church. His, his parents left him there, and they find him in church, but Jesus was supposed to go home with them. And I just want to remind you one more time that it's not enough for you to just encounter God here. God wants to go home with you. And so if we're not careful, we find ourselves in the same situation that Jesus discovered the religious leaders of his day were in in john chapter 5 verse 37 he begins to talk about himself and he says this about the church folks he says you didn't even recognize the form of god i showed up in a form that didn't fit your format and so you've missed god 
And if we're not careful during this Christmas season, what we do is we so fixate on Jesus as a baby that we forget that Jesus was not only a baby, he grew up into a teenager and ultimately became a man. And so I want to ask you one more time, what is your favorite Jesus? What happens if your favorite Jesus is not the the manner or the form that Jesus shows up in? Will you be able to accept the truths that he wants to speak into your life? So this morning I want us to go further. I want us to look at at the bearded Jesus. Go to Luke chapter 2 verse 52. This is as close as scripture in that whole video clip. It's as close to scripture as they ever really got. It's when Carly said he grew up. Luke said it like this, and Jesus matured growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and people. He wasn't always a baby. John chapter 1 is probably the first instance we read of an encounter with the grown-up, the bearded Jesus. I want you to listen to what happens here. John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34 says this. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and yelled out, Here he is, God's Passover lamb. He forgives the sins of the world. This is the man I've been talking about, the one who comes after me but is really ahead of me. I knew nothing about who he was, only this that my task has been to get Israel ready to recognize him as the God revealer. That is why I came here baptizing you with water, giving you a good bath, and scrubbing sins from your life so you can get a fresh start with God. Now listen to what he says. John clinched his witness with this. I watched the Spirit like a dove flying down out of the sky, making himself at home in him. I repeat, I know nothing about him except this. The one who authorized me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and stay, this one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I saw happen. And I am telling you, there's no question about it. This is the Son of God. Jesus is a man. The bearded Jesus, the the difficulty with the bearded Jesus is to try to narrow down the lessons he teaches us. It is the most broad um, canopy, if you will, of information that we have about Jesus when he was on, our, on this earth as a man is the, the time from when he was grown up. We know more about him then than at any other point in his life. And so it's very difficult to narrow it down to just a few things. But I, I've done my best to narrow it down to three very important lessons that you've got to learn about the bearded Jesus. The first one is this. The bearded Jesus teaches us that growing up is not an option. We would like to keep Jesus cute and cuddly. But Luke says it very clearly. Jesus grew up. Up As much as we would like to keep Jesus as this beautiful, cuddly, cute, never poops his diaper baby. You know, his, his diaper, he was God, so his diapers were probably self-cleaning. I don't understand. You know, you can just conceptualize this any way you want to. We, we want to keep him cute and manageable. We want to pull him up and smell baby powder and lilac. We want to keep him so small as an infant, but the, the Bible and the lesson from the bearded Jesus is this. Jesus grows up. He matures. In fact, the Bible says in Luke that it matured both in body and in favor with God and with man. And so if you, what I want to say to you this morning is this lesson is this. If you never come to grips 
with Jesus as anything other than the Christmas child, then your own maturity and development as a Christian will be stunted. If you never experience God as anything other than a baby, you will never grow up in your walk with him. In fact, let me say this, you will never develop in your relationship with God at any higher level than your revelation of God. And so if God is restricted to, a, to this infant child, then you will never grow up. If he never becomes more than a teenager in your life, he will you will never grow up in your walk with him. You've got to grow up. Now, see, I know some of you like to sing this theme song, especially around this time of year, and you sing it with all the conviction and all the anointing, and, and you muster it all up in your own spirit. And when the Toys R Us commercials come on, you sing it with every, I don't want to grow up. But here's the truth. Like it or not, you have a mandate on your life to grow up. Your walk with Christ must mature. You must grow up. See, as cute as Jesus was as a baby, how freak show would it have been if at 30 years old Jesus arrives as a bearded man wearing swaddling clothes and trying to still curl up and lay down in a manger somewhere? How many of you know that wouldn't have been cute anymore? How many of you know it's not cute for you to continue to act like a baby when you're supposed to be grown up? We are supposed to mature. So I wonder how many of us are walking around as 20-year-old babies and 40-year-old babies and we haven't matured or developed in our relationship at all. Boy, it got quiet all of a sudden. Are you developing? You will remember, I hope some of you will remember that on the first Sunday of this year, I handed out these little pieces of paper and ask you to evaluate your spiritual life. Am I reading the Word more than I did last year? And these are my goals for this year. Are you praying more than you did last year? And these are my goals for this year. And we talked about that. I wonder how many of us can actually reflect over our life this year and say, you know what, I am further along in my walk with Christ now than I was at the first year. And if you can't, you've missed the lesson of the beard of Jesus. You've got to grow up. There are too many babies walking around. Uh, let me just warn you, at the, after the first year, sometime in the next year, I've already got it planned, we're going to start a series called Baby Talk. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be good, but it ain't going to be fun. Because I think that too many of us still walk around as babies when we've been walking with Christ for some of us for decades, but we've, we've fixated on him as a baby and we've never matured. How many of us still handle disappointment by throwing tantrums? How many of us still fight for our own way? How many of us are still selfish? How many of us are still mouthy? I'm always going to get the word, last word in. You ain't going to get the last word. I will say I have an opinion and I'm going to express it. Then you're still a baby. How many of us are antisocial? We're still teenagers. How many of us are untrustworthy? We haven't grown up. We freeze in the baby state. We freeze in the teenage state. And the lesson of the bearded Jesus is this. You can't keep him as a baby and you can't stay as a baby. There is a mandate from God on your life that you must mature. And as we go into this new year, I want to ask you and challenge you that at some point you've got to worship him as a grown-up. You've got to realize that you cannot become stunted in your growth. I recognize that the lessons of the bearded Jesus are more difficult to deal with 
and I recognize that the standard that the grown-up Jesus calls us to is more difficult to live up to, but I also realize that when I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child, but there comes this moment in my life when I have to, as a man, put away childish things. I have to grow up, and I am convinced that way too many of us as grown-ups are still carrying around and reacting and acting like babies, and we're still operating in a childish manner, and the bearded Jesus says to us, grow up. It's time. The second thing I notice out of this account that, that I think the bearded Jesus teaches us is this. And this is a perfect lesson at Christmas. We must live our lives in such a way that even family members see God in us. How many of you have cousins? Anybody got cousins in here? Everybody got cousins? All right. I, I got a bunch of cousins. I can honestly admit that I never had the encounter that John had with his cousin. John comes face to face with his cousin and so recognizes, the Bible says it like this, he saw the Holy Spirit come down and make his, he was so full of the Holy Spirit, he said he made himself at home in him. He recognized the power of God in his cousin. I've never had that encounter where I walk into one of my cousins and go, wow, there's the one. Look at the anointing on their life. I'm so stricken by the power. I've never had that happen. See, here's the deal. I am convinced that as difficult as it is sometimes for our coworkers to to see Jesus in us and sometimes as difficult as it is for our friends to see us, Family members are the greatest litmus test of our faith. When our family members can see God in us, then we are passing the test. Because here's the truth. You can fake your coworkers out. And you can fake your friends out. But how many of you know you can't get nothing over on your family? They know who you are. Right? And so what Jesus teaches us is that you can live at such a level that when you come face to face with your family members, if you have the anointing of God resting in your life at this level, that family members will be forced to have a come to Jesus meeting when they meet you. See, I, I just want to encourage you this morning that one of the lessons that we need to learn is that We've got to live at this level where the anointing, the power, the, the, the presence of God is so strong in our lives that, that the declarations our family members make about us changes. How many of you know your family talks about you? Right? We've got to change the declarations they make about us. For many of us, our family looks at us and goes, hypocrites, lazy, drama queen, angry jerk right and what I want us to do during this season when many of you will sit down with all those crazy cousins sometimes it's the only time all year that you'll get with them I want to encourage you this morning to get so full of the spirit of God that when you walk into the room they go there's something different about them this year and I want what they have that's what Jesus teaches us here, is that we can actually live like that. That's a novel concept, that they will actually see Jesus in us. This is the perfect opportunity. How many of you know that during the Christmas season, it is often the only one of two times a year, Christmas and Easter, that many people ever even 
contemplate that God cares for us. And many times the reason that when they turn their attention to Jesus, that they don't follow through is because of us. We treat them so poorly that they don't even recognize Jesus in us. And I want to challenge you today that something's got to change. You've got to come to this place where your life changes and your power level changes so that people will see him in you. Third lesson I want to teach you, last one this morning is this. It's the greatest lesson of all. It's the greatest lesson I can teach you at Christmas. Here it is. Are you ready? The bearded Jesus teaches us this. God would rather die for me than to live without me. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I like the Christmas Jesus, and I'm all right with the teenage Jesus, but my favorite Jesus of all is the bearded Jesus. Because it is the picture, it is the, 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 the truth that God loves us so incredibly much that he'd lay his life down for us. I just want to be honest with you this morning, transparent, I would have real problems. In fact, I'll say it like this. I would have, would have been appalled if God had stayed in infant form and died for us because he would have had no choice. Baby can't do nothing for himself, can't feed himself, can't clean himself. If, we, if, if baby Jesus had been offered up for us, I wouldn't have been impressed by that. I would have been bothered by that. Not even sure I would have liked it if Jesus had died for us as a teenager. Because as a teenager, I can manipulate you and I can force you to do things you don't want to do. I'll just ground you for the rest of your life if you don't go die. Right? But as a 33-year-old man, tough man, whip-swinging man, carpenter man, man among men, at the time in his life when most of us at 33 years old are not willing to take any risk at all because we're trying to take care of our families and we're trying to make a name for us and we're trying to secure provision in our life. At 33 years old, not as a baby, not as a teenager, as a grown-up man, as an able man, as a man that could have fought back. In fact, the Bible says that he could have called down legions of angels. As a grown-up man, he silently... And willingly went and laid down on a cross because he would rather die for us than to live without us. What greater love does a man have than a man would lay his life down for friends? The greatest lesson that Jesus teaches us this morning, the reason I love the bearded Jesus the most is because he teaches me that no price was too high to pay. He loved me so much that he would give his only son to die. For me, he teaches me that no distance was too great. He'll go to the ultimate length. He'll suffer any pain, any disgrace to get to me. In fact, the Bible says it like this. Before the foundations of the world were ever laid, he was born to die. A lamb was slain before the world was even existent, in existence. God had already made up his mind that he was going to become one of us and die for us. 
There's only one problem. Just because someone purchases a gift for you doesn't mean you have received the gift. I could go right now and sell everything I own, go home and talk to my wife and say, teacher of the year wife, shameless plug, let's sell our house, sell our cars, empty out any bank account, which wouldn't take very long, pile it all up and give it to so-and-so. I walk into the room and I brought them everything I have and I lay it, set it, hold it in my hands and I say, this gift's for you. And they go, eh, don't want nothing from you. We don't like you anyway. Then all the sacrifice that we made and all the length that we went to to provide that gift did no good. And what I want to say to you this morning is the greatest gift that you will ever receive was not an infant. And it wasn't a teenager. The greatest gift that you have ever been given that has been made available to you, you have to receive it, was on the day that a bearded man at 33 years old laid down on a cross and gave his life for you so that you wouldn't be separated from God. Listen to what happens and what Jesus' mindset was in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through, 5 through 8. Listen very carefully. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. That's a miracle in and of itself. He could have any time, at any moment said, I've had enough, Dad, I'm out of here. But he stayed one of us. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. My favorite Jesus is the one that's fully God, but fully man, stretched out on a cross, dying. I know it's not a pretty picture, and it's not as cute as the nativity scene. But this is what I know. My favorite Jesus is the Jesus that died for me. Because that's the greatest gift he could have ever given me, was to have an access and relationship with my Heavenly Father. The gift has been given, but you have to receive. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around between you and God. It's not enough to worship Him as a baby. You've got to know Him as a sacrifice. It's not enough to know Him as a teenager. You've, some of you have had powerful teenage experience with God and you've walked away from that. That's not enough. You've got to know Him as a grown-up man. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I recognize today that the gift has been given, but I also recognize that unless I receive that gift, it's not enough. And you're hearing you say, Steve, I, I, I recognize during this Christmas season that God has gone to the ultimate length to reach me. He's given His only begotten Son, His only Son. He sacrificed Him for me. And I need to make things right 
And I need to accept the very gift of salvation that he's made available to me. If that's you and you'd say, I need to have Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the king of my life. I need to honor the sacrifice he made today. And I want to get to know my father again. If that's you, would you just quickly raise your hand and then pull it right back down. Nobody's looking around to embarrass you. There's one. Anybody else that would say, I need to know him? I need to know him. I've walked away from him. I haven't lived my life for him like I should, and I want to make it right this morning. It's the greatest gift you'll ever know, ever receive. Just a moment longer, and we're going to move on. Is there another? Father, I pray today that all of us, not just the one that raised their hand, but all of us would come to the place in our lives today where we would refocus during this Christmas season when the tendency of our carols and our decorations want us to focus and cause us to put all of our attention on a baby Jesus, I pray that, Father, instead we would recognize that that baby was dead at the moment he was born. The decision had already been made. He was here on purpose. And that purpose was to save us from our sins and to make relationship possible. So, Father, this morning, once again, fresh and new, all of us, we ask this. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. We recognize that you died for us because you wanted us to be in relationship with your Father. Forgive us, we pray. Come into our lives. We enthrone you on our heart. We make you the King, the Lord, the Savior, the ruler of our lives. You earned that position because you died when you could have stayed alive died for us. You willingly laid down your life for us. We honor you today. We declare because you died for us we'll live for you. So Father, this morning I pray over my my passion family here and I ask that you would put us on a growth path. I pray that together we would begin to mature in our relationship with you. If under the sound of my voice, Father, there's anybody that's stunted in their growth, I pray that this new year would be a year marked by growth. They would grow up in their relationship with you. What used to sidetrack them or derail them would not do that any longer. They would press through and they would begin to mature in their relationship with you. And Father, I pray over this Christmas season, when many of us will have the opportunity, one of our only opportunities all year long, to be with family members that might not know you, I pray that your spirit would be at so whole in us that we would be so marked by your presence that without being freaky and without being fake, we would be able to walk into the room and something about us would speak to them and they would have a come to Jesus moment and they would want what we have. We claim our movers today. We claim our friends. We claim our families during this Christmas season. It is the greatest opportunity we have. Help us to be ready. Help our lives to be so lived that we will have that opportunity to reach out in love and win them into your kingdom. Father, we'll praise you for it. We'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.